Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Compress it with blue tack so you don't want the blood to, like, the, to refill. Yeah. And then you strap your head up and you have to have it for a couple of days. I mean, I look at the England squad now, I mean, over half of them are lads that just played their Sunday rugby, they didn't play any, any bit of school. Hello, welcome to the Say It and Spray It podcast. My name's Justin. Here he is. The CEO of Merwell's, the man with the cans, Mark Silver. How you doing, mate? All right? I'm doing good. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm excellent, mate. I'm very, very good. Today's guest. Now, again, I know very, very little about rugby. I have to say it's not my sport. But what a fantastic guest Ben Youngs was. I managed to get something wrong because in, in, in my preparation to speak to Ben, I did a little bit of searching online, went on Wikipedia, looked up his appearances, and they haven't updated that for a while because it was a few out, which he picked me up on, which is fair enough. Uh, we also did discuss... His cauliflower ear, which you won't be able to see, but just imagine it when we talk about that, because it's only very slight, but you can make it out. He was great fun, wasn't he, Ben? He gave us quite a long time, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It was a really enjoyable podcast. Obviously, good to have a different sport. It's the first men's England rugby player that we've had. Some great stories and very interesting guy. Right, let's not set it up too much. Let's just listen to it. Here he is. Here's Ben Youngs. Ben Youngs, how are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. Thank you. Uh, pleased to be on here and uh, looking forward to having a chat. Excellent, excellent. So uh, you are a scrum half for Leicester Tigers and England, and you are the most capped player with 115 appearances for England. That's right? Close. Close. Go on. 122. 122. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wikipedia. Who Wikipedia. Wikipedia these days? I know, going I on? know. 122. All right. Okay. How did you uh, get into rugby? What was your start with rugby? Was it something that you watched and then wanted to, to play or were you sort of playing it at school? Or It's something that uh, where I grew up in North Norfolk, um, rugby is quite a, a big sort of community game and, and a lot of the community play, you know, local rugby. Of course, there's football, as there is everywhere in the UK, uh, is, is a huge sport, rightly so, uh, national sport. But uh, no, rugby is quite a popular sport in, in North Norfolk. So I started off playing football. My brother's a couple of years older than me. My dad took, uh, took us there. Didn't perhaps take a real love to that. But mind you, we would have only been probably uh, seven or eight. Uh, so dad 
My dad actually played for Leicester and England as well, funny enough. So, but he never wants to, to push rugby upon us. He wants us to kind of find ourselves. So um, we, we tried football, didn't really take too much of a light to it. And he's like, right, well, I think you might like a different sport. Took us to rugby and uh, we loved it. So, yeah, so my, my brother started and, and I started um, as well, uh, Sunday rugby at Holt Rugby Club. And uh, yeah, it all began there. One of the reasons the Leicester connection is because of my, my father, but in rugby, because of where the, the, the premiership teams are, are located, they have catchment areas. They have, have big catchment areas in football. Obviously, it's very, very different. I mean, every every city, every town has a, has a football team. So uh, the academies and everything gets picked up. Whereas rugby, there's, there's a bit more mileage between each club. So, uh, so North actually is a catchment area for, for Leicester uh, neighbouring county of Norfolk is Suffolk and that's a catchment area for Northampton uh, so Leicester has a bit of a bit of a, a catchment area going going that way and Northampton a little bit below so uh, so yeah there's um, there, that's how I sort of got scoped up there and, and, and got through the system and, and put forward to trials etc and, and joined when I was 16 Okay and club debut at 17 so that's uh, that's quite young is it? Yes uh, it was that was through um, unfortunately uh, there was a couple of injuries within in the position of scrum half in the, in the senior team um, which kind of opened up the door for myself but uh, yeah rugby's a, but rugby's a little bit different in terms of what, depends what position you play if, you, if you're a forward you know it's, it's a very abrasive positions they are and you know your chance of you playing at, at, at 17 is, is, is unlikely in the forwards just you, you really are men against boys where if it's scrum half you're a lot more protected uh, you know the forwards kind of protect you and stuff so being a, being a young player in, in that position actually you, you're actually not too um, too vulnerable and in three years on from there you're, you're getting capped for England that that's that must have been really exciting. I think whenever any professional sportsman or woman starts out, it's uh, it's kind of one step at a time. And for me, it was about joining Leicester and um, being as good as I can be within the academy, and then getting a first team contract and then playing for the first team. And that kind of that happened really really fast for myself. And then once you do that, you you only think about like establishing yourself and being a first team regular, and, and you never really think about further honours. You know, certainly not at twenty, I wasn't. And then to get the call up to then get selected and play for, for England and then we went to World Cup in 2011 so yeah, I don't know it kind of happened really really quickly the club rugby and, and playing in the premiership to then getting picked for your national team and, and doing that it's uh, yeah it, it was fast but uh, great fun that must have been absolutely amazing absolutely amazing I'm noticing that you your ears are all intact now my typical impression of a rugby player is if we've got sort of cauliflower ears and, and all that sort of thing how have you managed to sort of keep your ears and, and, and keep in good shape over the years playing rugby so Ben's too handsome to be a rugby player <laughs> well uh, yes th- yeah okay you phrased it better than I did yeah I have uh, do you know what? I've got a little on the right I don't know if you can see oh okay yeah close yeah, up yeah, yeah. yeah okay so close up I got away <laughs> But the left, the left one's intact. So yeah, I mean the the, four, the front rowers. So if you if you if you're prop, yeah, there's 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 no uh, there's no escape in the ears. If you get a cauliflower ear, there's it's staying. Uh, they're, they're quite awful actually because if you get collie, what, what what has to happen? And, and I had it with this one is uh, obviously swells up immediately. They then drain, they put a needle in and drain it out. Right. And then what they do is they put like blue tack in. Right. Like, compress it with blue tack because they don't want the blood to, uh, the, to refill. Yeah. And then you strap your head up and you have to have it for a couple of days. Wow. But it's like a, it's like a permanent headache because obviously swelling wants to come out of the ear and you're Ooh. restricting it from coming. So it's, it's, a, it's an uncomfortable process. And then once that's happened, it then goes like rock hard. <laughs> and as soon as it goes rock hard, you're fine. Right. It's good. You, your ear's ruined, but it's rock hard. You don't feel it and it's fine. So... Yeah, it's a game for all shapes and sizes, but it's not a game for everyone. No, no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> is this something they do sort of straight away? Is, they go all quick, you need to have this procedure done now, otherwise it's... Pretty, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So when you, when you get a whack, you've got to 
colleague. I mean, the year swells up very, very quickly. So, um, I mean, once the game's finished, it'll be a needle in, drain the ear, blue tack in, tape it really, really tight and uh, leave it for a few days and, and uh, deal with it. And, and it should harden up. And Because otherwise, all's going to happen. If you leave it, it gets worse. Then you've got to play again at the weekend and you know you're going to get whacked in the first minute and you've got to get on with it. So, uh, yeah, paying for a couple of days is worth it before you play again on the weekend. I had no idea. Did you, Mark? Did you know about this? I didn't. I didn't. So I guess once you've got it, it can't get worse, can it? Really? Or no, can it? no, 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 it can't. No, no. Once you once you've done it and you've dealt with it, like I say, it then um, it goes really, really solid. And once it's it's solid, it's absolutely fine. I don't feel anything. So no touch wood. I'm mean, fortunate. I haven't got uh, you know. There's some there's some boys that have got uh, yeah some seriously uh, interesting ears, but uh, you put your, you 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 kind uh, of know what you're signing up for. You know, it's, it's an incredibly physical game, isn't it? I mean, I, I'm I'm far too much of a wimp to get involved in rugby <laughs> really I really am I, I did try it at school and I went yeah no nah, that's that's not for me that I don't I don't think I like that very much what's great is my my daughters because obviously rugby's getting bigger and bigger now and my daughters started taking up at school in fact when I spoke to you Ben a couple of weeks yeah. ago didn't I I was on my way uh, to go and watch my daughter play tag rugby for the first time and it, it's just brilliant seeing so many young kids taking up rugby and um, obviously girls and boys as well and that just shows you how far the game's developed how far the game's come we we've, we talk about football all the time and how the women's game's developed because of the success of the women but I I just think that what the men's England rugby team are doing and then also the women's uh, England rugby the Red Roses what they've done as well that just shows you it's already filtering down you know the legacy is really there it's the same as when when we had the Olympics here wasn't it all of a sudden you start getting lots of people interested in different sports and it's brilliant to see. So I'm 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 not going to be that pushy parent, but I'm definitely encouraging my daughter. Like she's really enjoying it at the moment. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, I think the you know, Red Rose has done an amazing job, and I think you know for um, for women especially, I think there's there's not many sort of contact sports. I suppose you know if, if you're uh, maybe aggressive or you're abrasive or you, you know you enjoy the being out there running around, but actually having a bit of physicality again. You know you know rugby rugby can give you that uh, in a different way. You know football you can you can be physical of course but rugby's a little bit different I think and the Red Rose have really sort of flown the flag and I think you know the, the, the women's interest in playing sport and picking it up and, uh, and and giving rugby a go is great because you can be quick and, and, and agile and you've got position on the wing you can be really aggressive and abrasive when, you, when you're on the pitch and you could be a forward um, you could have great football skills so actually you could be a fly half and kick the ball and pass the ball and do all that you know there, there really is a game where it, it can suit all different personalities and all different uh, shapes and sizes and um, you know, I think that the women's game will continue to grow. Um, you know, it's got a long way to go. Of course, it has. You know, rugby will always be a sport that's always trying to evolve and get 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 bigger. But I think you know, the, the women's interest in the game of that is. It's, it's really taken off and I know a lot of clubs now that have got women's teams going really really strong and that's great to see credit to the RFU as well on that because from the moment we started working with them murals they were everything was equal it was never about the men's and then we have to do something for the women's it was everything was equal in the sense that we want to we're so proud of and I think they're a little bit ahead of their time in the sport really by pushing the women's rugby and the Red Roses you know all the branding it's really well done so yeah definitely credit to them that was kind of really quite key when 
we were brought in to paint at Twickenham. And that's where our journey started, really, with uh, England rugby. We, we got invited to Twickenham and we'd done a walk around. They, they wanted to bring murals in because they wanted to show people that they're cool. You know, rugby can be cool and it doesn't have to be for a certain type of class of person to watch it, to play it. Street art, obviously, right now is becoming so popular. It's becoming, it's definitely on trend. And if you can kind of mix that with a, a sport like rugby, then it kind of, create something very very special and unique and obviously we we done that walk around and uh, had a look at the whole stadium and there's a lot of concrete there there's a lot of concrete and it's a beautiful stadium it just needs something on it and that's why we were look, look, looking around and uh, we we got brought in and we got in the end we got given the two lift shafts on the main entrance to the west stand and what's the name of that entrance where you guys come in the players uh, in front of them gates yeah that is uh, that is the west stand that's the main stand uh, it's called Spirit Rugby right brilliant so it's a great entrance so obviously from our point of view to have them two shafts was was brilliant and again it was like let's do them equally so we had a a selection of the the men's players at the time painted on one of them and the red roses on the other side and that's where we kind of started doing that we that's when we met shauna that's when we become friendly with shauna we met enemies emily scarrett and uh zoe harrison and then on the men's one carl sinclair moa toji and owen farrell so it was a kind of nice mix of everything that we'd done on there but it was really good because that was ahead of the six nations well it's during the tournament it was actually ahead of the game against wales which ben was your record-breaking appearance wasn't it we we were kind of doing all this work and it was while we were doing that they kind of went we've got a brilliant idea you know Ben's going to break the record we need to we need to do something for him so um, that was the first experience that we had in the street oh well was you and the players aware of that piece of art going up or had you seen it walking in I I didn't know if anyone saw it when uh, no we weren't aware that that was taking place but we actually saw it when we we arrived and it's wicked I think you know as you alluded to really I think rugby is you know once once, once things have reputation it's hard to shake off and for for a long time I think it's been rugby's been classed probably as you know private school game you know, probably as a sort of everyone at Twickenham's a tweed jacket wearer and all that. So I think, you know, the fact that, in that and it's hard to check that reputation off. And I think what you're seeing now is, you know, like you say, with the street art, with the different, uh, like the, the, the touch tournaments they do now and the investment into grassroots rugby and all that, you're trying, it's, it's a game for everyone, you know, really trying to trying to break down that, I don't know, that stereotype or, or what it probably used to be because it's not that now. I mean, I look at the England squad now, I mean, over half of them are, 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 are lads that, just played their Sunday rugby. They didn't play any any bit of school. You know, football's the dominant sport at school. They just played on a Sunday. Uh, and everyone's from all different walks of life. And, um, you know, it's fantastic that we're able to have that that now sort of celebrated, I suppose, like you say, with the artwork and everything like that and, and people being able to relate to it. Do you think that the stereotype then of rugby being a, a private school sport is now being broken down? I, I know you just, just kind of said that, but you, it, it actually is. It's now being um, made more available to, to other people. Yeah, definitely. I think that I think there was a stage where it was very much like that. And I think we look now, I mean, I look at uh, a great friend of mine, Ellis Genge, absolutely brilliant. He captained England actually for the uh, for the game against France recently. Bristol boy, born and bred, come from Knoll East, you know, be the first to say, you know, it's, it's an area that's uh, that's probably teaches you uh, to be streetwise and things like that. Okay. And, um, you know, he, he just had his Sunday rugby and he fell in love with the game. He was an aggressive character and he just took a love to the game. And, you know, he's someone that's really sort of uh, flying the flag for that. Uh, Carl Sinkler's another guy 
you know, come from London. Um, you know, a lot of, he always says around his area, no one ever heard of, uh, heard of rugby. This is what, what, what he's talking about, you know. So he's another guy. And these guys are investing back into the game, investing back into the grassroots and, and showing people that, you know, that if you if you haven't tried something, you know, try this sport. Because for some people, they've never, never come across the sport, you know. Hi, I'm John Barnes, and you're listening to the Saved and Sprayed podcast. So your, your brother also played for England and Leicester. Was it was it strange sort of playing with your brother at all? Or was it sort of something that just came really naturally or yeah i mean he was a couple of years older than me so he he kind of um paved the way really in terms of joining the club playing for the club uh, academy getting in the first team and you know i was still at school and i was like wow like i want to do i want to follow my brother's footsteps which which i managed to do and then playing for the club together you know is one thing and doing it in fashion is is incredible so very very special it's very, it's very rare actually that obviously set of brothers kind of have done that um, there's not many um, so it's something that, that Tom and I are very very proud of uh, he's retired now and and uh, and enjoying uh, enjoying not getting beaten up at the weekends uh, <laughs> around but uh, he's out his retirement so no, it, was, it's, it's, it was just like I say special for me the family and, and him and, and having those memories of doing something we love together is I mean it's it's, it's, it's um, incredible you, you said it there like obviously you were so proud and the family must have been really really proud as well going back to Holt Rugby Club like that it must be absolutely incredible for them to not just only produce someone that's going to break through and make it to play professional rugby but to play for their country um, but to have two and both be brothers as well that's a pretty special moment I believe there's been others as well hasn't there from Holt Rugby that has yeah it has uh, Freddie Stewart, who's had an amazing sort of 24 months, really burst on the scene. He's been uh, arguably England's best player for the last 18 months of it. Incredible talent, and he's come through through Holt as well. Uh, Norfolk's a great catchment area, like I said earlier. Really, it's um, rugby is a big is a big sport in in that county. You know, there's been a lot of talented guys that come through. Uh, Jack Van Portley's another guy that's that's just started his international career, uh, and again another Norfolk boy. So, no, I think the community, you know, back home is for a lot of young kids. You know, what I'm really proud of. They get to, to to go. They see that they see it, and they think I was just like them, running around on a Sunday rugby. Uh, I was a kid that loved playing sport, running around, and I had ambitions and dreams of doing it, and I did it. And I, I like to think that whether you know the kids are Holt or if teams are coming over to play Holt, they see that and they think, blimey, like he did that. He came from here. That's where he started. And I can do that. I can be the next one to go do it. And, that, and that's, that's what I want to do. I always want to inspire those, those kids to say like, you know, you can do it. It's uh, It takes a lot of hard work and dedication. And, you know, you've got to earn the right. But um, it's an unbelievably rewarding experience and job. And But we all start somewhere. And that was where I started. And, you know, the, every everyone that's a professional sports person's come from somewhere. And I'm just, I'm very proud that mine was able to be celebrated and it's there for all to see. And like I say, I just, I just hope it just inspires people in the right way. I'm sure it will. So how did it actually feel then? Because obviously to be playing for England so long is an amazing achievement, but to break, knowing that you're going on that pitch and you're going to become the most capped player of all time, that's like an incredible achievement. How did that feel? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, I, I think, Getting to 100 was was kind of uh, amazing because there's only one player that ever done that before as well for England. So Jason Leonard. So when I got to 100, I was like, wow, that's you know, I'm really really proud of that. And then then when I got got equal to, to Jason's record of of, of 115 and, and then overtook it, it was it was a bit surreal really. I think it's one of those things when you're in it, you kind of you know how how much work and and all the work that's gone in to get you there, and and, and it's as much a celebration. The time I felt was as much a celebration for me as it is for everyone that's contributed towards that towards getting there whether that's coaches whether that's teammates but especially family because 
you know, a lot of people will look at people that's had a successful career and they think it's 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 only ever been, you know, on the upward curve and it, and it, and it just so hasn't been like that. You know, you have injuries, you have adversity, you have lack of form, you, you don't get picked, you do get picked. It's never plain sailing. That day, that moment was as much my moment as it was theirs because they've rolled with the punches with me. They've, they've seen me at my, at my uh, lowest low and they've seen me at my highest high. So yeah, it was a, it was a day that, that meant a lot to me and, and probably a handful of others really, um, if that makes sense. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, yeah. Was, was there extra pressure on you kind of coming on into that game? Because essentially the most important thing is to win that game is as part of the Six Nations plan against Wales. And it was a really close game. It was a really tight game. I was up there in the stands watching that and I, I'm not a rugby guy. I was asking a lot of questions uh, the whole time. But at one point it looked like England were running away with it and all of a sudden it changed, didn't it? And it was... I think it was really tight and potentially they could have got back in it at the very end. And I, I think you even had the last touch and just booted it out of play and that was the end of it. Yeah, no, we booted out and, and got the win. Um, you know, <laughs> Wales, are, they're a tenacious nation and like they just, they always stay in there. And um, so it's just happy to get over the line that day. I think, you know, of course you, you go out there, you want to win. I, I think once the whistle goes, you're like, you're relieved you've won and you're also like, proud and relieved that you, you did it because I suppose all week leading up to it, you know you've got media questions everyone's asking about it and you kind of just want to get over the get over the uh, over the uh, white line to make sure that you uh, you, you secured it and you've done it and it's and it's ticked off and the ink is dry so it was a nice feeling really nice feeling what, what do you attribute your um, record to that the fact that you've had so many caps and you're the leading most capped England player what, what do you attribute that to a lot of hard work yeah uh, willingness to to constantly try and get better and, and and probably you know be a harshest critic without beating yourself down like when I take the field I, I feel very confident I, I know what I can I can deliver and and I have I have the belief but I also can tell myself and 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 be honest when I when I think I'm not doing what I need to do so yeah it's it's a fine line that one but I put it down to hard work dedication having a great team around me and, and having amazing support when you're in it it kind of goes quick and everything like that but what you soon learn is it's never that bad it's never that great it's just always somewhere in the middle and I think when you're youngster you, you burst on this, you, you kind of burst into it and you're fresh and you're new and everything's all exciting you feel like you're kind of riding the wave without really knowing it and then you know say you have a, some you know bad run of form or whatever and it's like you know it's like the worst thing that's ever happened to you and then you know when you're flying it's like the best thing ever and actually when you get older you're like actually it's just it's just always in between it's just never it's, it's never that bad it's never that great you just you know in yourself where you're at 
You always do. No, I'm sure when you do the artwork, like you know when you've nailed it and you know when oh, I haven't maybe quite got that one right. Like I'm, I'm proud of it because I've done the work. But yeah, of course. No, I've I know I've got more in me, but it equally doesn't eat you up. You just kind of use it as go, okay, well, next time I go, let's make sure I, I get it right. And that's kind of always been my approach, really. Certainly from mid-20s onwards, you know, early on, it's kind of like, say, you kind of ride the wave and it dictates your mood in terms of form, result, things like that. And then when you get to mid-20s, you think, actually, like, this is what I stand for. This is what I'm about. I know I'm doing the work. If I get the if I get the performance, great. If I don't, you know what? I'll go away. I'll have a rethink, but I'll come back and roll my sleeves up and kind of always been my approach you know I don't know I think probably you can all relate to that in different walks of life I'm sure I think it's a really good comparison because you know every time we create a piece of artwork we're very proud of it but if you settle you're never ever going to improve you have to always look at it and go that's amazing how do we make the next one even better and obviously it's a challenge because when you're you're doing amazing amazing things you have to really keep pushing yourself and there's there's the brilliant thing in that is that we keep producing this amazing artwork. You keep producing great performances on the pitch. The downside of that is the pressure that you put on yourself. From from my point of view, I feel like I never ever feel satisfied at this moment in time. And I probably think that might be where your brother's at, where you get to that point. Only once you can retire, I guess, and yeah. look back and reflect, then you can be proud of what you've done. And you don't feel like you have to keep trying to better yourself because you know, we've got a limit, we've got a cap, you know, at some point we're human beings, but it's a nice, I find it a nice pressure at certain times, but sometimes it is nice to stand back and enjoy and appreciate what, what's happening, right? No, I totally agree. And I think, you know, people are so, so kind and they pat you on the back and all that. And it's lovely. But I think, like you say, if you listen to, like, you listen to all those like praise and all that, actually you get distracted and really it's like, Thank you very much. Appreciate the kind words. However, in my head, I'm like, I know I've got more or I know I needed to do that better. I I knew, yes, okay, I, I, I did well there, but do you know what? I got a bit more in me. I got a bit more here or, you know, whatever it is, I think, you know, you can, it's weird. You kind of take in people's information, but really it kind of, it goes back out and you're like, thanks, thanks. Because in your head, you're like, okay, that's great. But my, my bar is, wants to be higher than where your expectations are. And I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like, it's like, everyone's just amazing, amazing, but you're, they don't know where your standards are or, or where your bar is. Only you do. Um, so although it's lovely when people give you praise, you're like, yeah, but you haven't seen anything yet, sort of thing, you know. Like, so once once you broke that record, did you did you then go right? Brilliant, I've done it. Or was it a case of right? I beat the record. I need to get as many more caps as I can to get far away from that record, so no one can catch me. Yeah, I, I guess it's like a. Um, I don't know. Like when I got to 100, it's like wow, I've got 100 caps. Like that's that's great. But I want 101. Why would I? You know. Yeah. And I remember like um, the, the, the the when I actually did it and broke the record, and everyone again a bit like what I just alluded to, really. Uh, you know, in the media, everyone. Oh, brilliant, amazing, amazing. I'm thinking, yeah, it's great, but like, I'm not suddenly stopping, you know, like it's, yeah. it's not, oh, great, you did it. And now I'm, and now I'm throwing in the towel and, and gonna, gonna get start a new career. It was like, no, thanks everyone, but like, what's next? I'm, I'm going again. Like, I'm not, you know, and that was kind of my mindset, really. Uh, I just was just like, yeah, like, great, thanks. Appreciate the accolades. However, I'm, I'm going again. I'm not stopping now. How yeah. did you celebrate breaking the record then? You know what? That rugby's got some good traditions, but uh, one, of, one of the traditions is always have a good drink after the game. Ah. So uh, we had a good drink. I did. I did. I got, um, you know, I got some great friends, teammates that, um, you know, the, the beauty about teammates is they see, they see what you do every day. They see the work that you put in. They see your diligence because it's not just, it's not just what you do on the pitch. It's what you do away from the pitch. So what you give to the team, it's the analysis, it's the, you know, talking in meetings, it's pushing standards. It's all the things that come with it. You know, everyone just sees you for 80 minutes on a Saturday but they don't see all the 
the work that gets you there and your teammates do. So for me, having that beer with, the, with my teammates and um, the ones that, that kind of see you put in the graft. And 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 I, and I guess the, the, the other thing, I suppose, was that you know, just how many of the lads were just genuinely so pleased for me. That was that was something that I always remember. So there was just a real sense of like my teammates sort of being proud of what I've done. And, and that, that meant a lot as well. Obviously, Ben, you broke the record, which was amazing. But then you got to see a big portrait of your face painted on the side of Holt Rugby Club, where you grew up as a mini. When did you first hear about that? See it? What was your thoughts? Um, I was like blown away, and I, I really mean that because you know I'm like I'm from from that area and everything like that. And and I guess I didn't know about it until after it got done, and then I got told about it from from Joel from the RFU told me about it, showed me the pictures, and I was like, you know, I just was just so unaware this was even happening and you know the RFU were going to do that and the gesture and just again like what an incredible job you did and the team did in, in, in putting that together because it was like a very you know it, it, very personal thing for me um, because that's where I'm from that's where you know a lot of my, my my nieces and nephews play at that club so it was incredibly personal incredibly um, sort of overwhelming really to think that that had been done without me knowing and I just thought what, a, what an amazing gesture for the RFU and what a what a different different thing to do you know like it just I just I just never would have thought of that that was going to happen so uh, I'm incredibly proud of it yeah I think it's uh, you know when we go back to North North when we do go back and, and pop back every so often when we go down to hold my kids <laughs> it's a bit strange for them seeing this picture of their dad the wall and stuff but uh, no for me it's um, like I say it, I, I was really really blown away really blown away that's really good I mean I've got really great memories of that whole experience because you'll know as, as well as I do the people there you know the community, the people that came by offering us cups of teas and coffees and sandwiches the whole time. They were just so kind. And uh, even people like Christopher, Robert, uh, Peter, all really nice guys. And yeah, they basically said you're part of the whole family now by being here for the day, by experiencing this. They just made us feel so welcome. Uh, we had our videography team. Obviously, we had uh, the artists, uh, Hugh and Title, working on the piece as well. I was really ill because we'd been working at Twickenham that whole week doing that piece outdoors. Horrible. The weather was really, really bad. And um, obviously, I, at that point, I was just looking forward to, to getting home after spending a week over in Twickenham. Holt's a long drive from everywhere, isn't it? It's like it is, it's, yeah. it's just the tip of everywhere. I just remember doing that drive, just feeling so ill. But as soon as I got there, I just made it kind of, I forgot that it didn't feel well. And everyone made me feel so welcome. The, the weather was horrendous. It really was. It was just bucketing down. But we had to get it done in the day, you know, with the film crew there. If I remember rightly, we got it done. We must have done it just before you broke the record. So it was like a bit of a dodgy thing, really. You don't want to block it. But obviously we'd done it. And then it was like, fingers crossed that you were in that squad. Obviously we thought you were going to be and it all worked out really well but it was a really really good day and then after that we saw all the photos of all the uh, the minis and the other teams coming there and there's just tons of kids in front of it and everyone's beaming and smiling you can see how proud they are so we, and we've kept in touch we've t- kept in touch with the guys that, that run that place and um, you know we, we can't wait to go back there we, we're hopefully going to arrange with you Ben to, to go there sometime soon and, uh, and and stand in front of it get you to sign it and, and do yeah. some pictures that's the plan but we're, we're very proud of that piece and uh, it's a nice big portrait of you isn't it the first one and then obviously the second one it shows the emotion so we try and get a little bit of the two 
size personalities because obviously when you're playing you're very serious very focused you know you want to show the emotional side as well so that was I don't know what that image was from was it celebrating a try was it celebrating a win or something like that but either way it shows the emotion that you you had for England no it absolutely captivates that it was actually we'd uh, in 2015 um we we had a England host of the World Cup and uh, we didn't get out of our pool stage so it was a really really tough time uh, home World Cup everything like that the first team to ever not get out of the knockout stages um, in, in that and you know we massively underperformed and then Eddie Jones came in and uh, it was the Six Nations started just after that World Cup so World Cup finished in November Six Nations started uh, Fed. he turned us around and, and we won a Grand Slam that Six Nations 2016 Six Nations we'd have gone in to that tournament with massive question marks over ahead not sure where England rugby's at and that, that that image is we'd just beaten France in Paris which was no mean feat for a grand slam and I just kicked the ball out and uh, the whistle gone to, to win it so that image captivates a moment of kind of what I said earlier really when you're like at your lowest low and your highest high it's just got of like the difference in four months prior to that tournament you know we're all massive failures everyone's useless they can't get out of the pool you know everything's getting written about and then fast forward four months later and you've, 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 you've won a grand slam which is such a hard task to do and yeah that emotion of almost like that burden being released of of all that emotion from the World Cup and then doing that so yeah which you captivated brilliantly and, and um, yeah that image is uh, that, that image is um, quite a special one to me that one with Ben round about the time that he broke the record it wasn't long after unfortunately his sister-in-law was very poorly and I guess Ben that was must have been a really tough time emotionally your brother retired didn't he because literally obviously it's a very tricky situation and you know unfortunately um, she was she was unwell I, when I spoke to Ben not so long ago I did explain to him unfortunately my, my wife had lymphoma and she battled that fortunately she's uh, she's 15 years all clear now she had a very different outcome and very grateful for that one of the lucky ones but you know I, I know what it feels like going through that process of having someone having to go through treatments the emotional side of it between the families and people on the outside as well you know we, we we lost a lot of friends and family over it because a lot of people don't know how to handle it people don't know what to say and stuff it was a really emotional time but uh, what we've done on the back of that is that we've kind of turned it into a positive and we've supported lymphoma as well action they used to be lymphoma association it's basically a group that supports people that are going through it and when when we were there we didn't have that we never got advised or told about a group where you can talk to people that are going through the same thing really really, which is really important because, you know, we're learning more and more that it's so important to to talk to people, to have people that can emphasize and understand what you're going through, just so you feel you're not alone. And yeah, we've done a, a lot of hard work and amazing work. About five years ago, we put on a, a big a big gala at the Royal Lancaster Hotel in London. I didn't want to just put on another charity event because it's so hard to try and get people to keep supporting. There's so many great charities, so you have to have something a little bit different. So I, I wanted to do the event more to celebrate the fact that my wife had had 10 years in remission and uh, we wanted her to kind of focus on that that's in the past and move on. And I felt if we'd done some big event where we can raise lots of money and awareness and have a good time, I think that would would move us on. I was very fortunate that through my business, I'd become very good friends with the youngest son of Audrey Hepburn, Luca Dotti. And I spoke to Luca uh, about what we was looking to do. And he very kindly just said, look, why don't you do an event with my mum's name on it? And because obviously if we, oh, sorry, it was my suggestion because 
if we've done an event celebrating the life of one of the most iconic women in history, Audrey Hepburn, then that's going to get people's attention on it. And that's exactly what we've done. And he, he, he was the most amazing guy. And he spent the evening telling people stories about what it was like growing up with his mum being Audrey Hepburn, you know, just normal stories of her doing the washing and the cooking and stuff like that. And she sounds like the most amazing person. But that was it. We, we kind of done that big event, uh, raised lots of money, and we kind of felt like we can move on. And we occasionally do do stuff for them. But um, it, it was quite important because obviously knowing what uh, Ben's brother's been through and uh, it's such a horrible situation and it happens. It's part of life and it's just how you deal with it. But with Ben obviously playing rugby and his brother playing rugby as well, you're in the spotlight you know you don't really get time to kind of have time to yourself but when you're a celebrity as such I guess it must make it even harder so uh, did you have a lot of people around talking about this was it hard to kind of switch off and get on with normal life I think it's uh yeah I mean it's, it's it was always difficult I mean the situation that's own is so difficult but then when you add in the fact that um the, the business almost becomes everyone's business because my brother had to retire with like almost immediate effect and you can't retire with immediate effect without giving some sort of statement. Tiffany had had uh, lymphoma before and uh, and got diagnosed as terminal. And then she actually managed to get in remission and then got, and obviously blood cancer came back and and, and, and and she lost that battle the second time around. But the first time as well, I was due to go to on a, on a British and Irish Lions tour and we got told that, that the cancer had spread and there was nothing they could do and, and, and it was terminal. So I, I withdrew from the from the tour. Now the British and Irish Lions, is a, is, it happens every once every four years. It's the pinnacle of, any rugby player that plays for, for England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and Ireland. And you get selected in the Tory, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. I got selected and um, I had to withdraw from the tour. Not that I, had, I wanted to. I, you know, I said, I, you know, there's no way I'm going to, I can go to New Zealand for, for eight weeks. You know, Tiff's um, been dealt this, um, been told that we haven't got long, I'm not leaving, and therefore I'll have to withdraw from the tour. But again, it's like you can't just, nothing's ever private. You can't just go, you know, I'm withdrawing from the tour. It's like, well, why? You're not injured. You're playing for Leicester this weekend. So it's like, how do we renounce this and keep trying, keep some sort of privacy? And, you know, it was, it was a complicated time and, um, you know, it was difficult. And obviously the second time around, again, it's, it's you know, people are so generous and lovely, but there's almost, it's hard to have privacy on it. Um, you know, even now, you know, I go obviously every game I play and, you know, people are so lovely and they, you know, they always are, how's your brother, how's your brother, how's your brother? and it's great and it's lovely that people want to ask, but it's it's also difficult, you know, because it's, um, you're just constantly reminded of it really um, and it's not their fault. It's lovely that they want to, they want to know how he is because they generally do because everyone's been affected by cancer of some sort, everyone, but it does, it's, uh, yeah, it, 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 you're kind of opened up a little bit because of the fact that you play sport, you're kind of in that spotlight a little bit and you know like I say you know when you suddenly um have to retire and that becomes becomes um everyone's uh everyone's aware of it so yeah so no, Tom retired and uh he was able to spend some some great time with Tiff before she 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 you know um lost that battle and and she gave it a hell of a fight uh and uh, Tom and I will continue to to do as much charity work as you just looked him up what you're doing and you know I think for everyone you know like you said some just so many amazing charity stuff happens and I'm just myself and Tom will just do what we can and whatever we can we will do and uh, and it's like everyone like I say they'll, they'll always try and do their best and, and try and support in any way so Tom and I had a testimonial able to to support blood blood cancer at that 
at that uh, testimonial and uh, a great friend actually who's a SNC coach at Leicester's just done a, a challenge where he ran 250Ks in in, in uh, 50 hours because uh, 250,000 people get diagnosed with blood cancer every year so he wants to to run it and uh, and he did that so amazing so like I say people want to help it was a hell of a journey it was um, bloody difficult at times but uh, you also feel responsible to, to talk about it and share it because so many people are affected so yeah I hope that kind of all sort of makes sense absolutely makes sense yeah You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so <laughs> much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. No, thank thank you. you. Thanks for, for having me. Honestly, I appreciate it and uh, uh, enjoyed the chat. So thank you. Take Good care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Really, really enjoyed that. Again, I, I knew very little about Ben before we spoke to him, but I'm a fan now after speaking to him. Yeah, he's good fun. Really good fun. Really nice guy. Um, we we actually obviously done the mural of him when he broke the record for England. He was playing at the time, which was during the Six Nations. So it wasn't like some of the others where we could get him down there. And, and it, the mural was done in his hometown, which is in North Norfolk, yeah. in the middle of nowhere in a yeah. place called Holt. Yeah. Um, so it's not like we could have just all popped down there and, and done the reveal. So it took quite some time before we finally got him down there and, and done the reveal. But he'd obviously seen the images and was very proud of it. So we spoke a lot about that. But uh, since the podcast, he's been down there and uh, has some po- poses and photographs taken in front of it. And yeah. uh, they look really good. He yeah. really enjoyed it. I've seen them. Now, for people that haven't seen the artwork or can't get to the artwork, I guess all of these images are on your website, right? Uh, they're on our website. Um, I mean, we're updating our website on a regular basis. Uh, I think we've redesigned it about five times since we launched three years ago because it's just evolving all the time. But social media, obviously, Instagram's yeah. a good place to, to see it on there. But you'll see them on the RFU, on the England Rugby site as well, and on, on Ben's Instagram as well. So if you can't actually go to North Norfolk, which sounds like quite a long way away, I've got to say, or Liverpool, there are places you can see the artwork, Instagram or whatever. What's your Instagram, Mark? So it's at Mural Walls, and, yeah. and, and I pronounce it Mural Walls, but everyone else pronounces it. Murwals or Muriels. <laughs> Muriels. Yeah. Yeah. People ask me how you pronounce it. Look, it's it's mural and walls. You put it together, it's mural walls. Now, I'm somebody that's got a little bit of an R situation, so it's even harder for me, but people do struggle with it. You know, I don't really care. As long as people know what we do, that's the most important thing. Yeah, fantastic. Brilliant. Right. There will be some more coming your way, so look out for those. Until next time, we'll see you later. Ta da. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com botox cosmetic out botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.